Alright, let's take our Bibles this evening and let's quickly go to Mark chapter 5, alright? Mark chapter 5 this evening and uh, we're going to look at a very familiar portion of Scripture, at least a familiar portion as far as the miracle itself, alright? And uh, you'll, as we start to dive into it, you'll recognize the individual we're going to highlight and look at and from this portion of Scripture and this miracle in just a moment. But uh, our primary text is going to be in Mark chapter 5 and we're going to be in verses 1 through 20. But you'll also find this same event recorded in Matthew chapter 8, verse 28 through 34, as well as Luke chapter 8, verse 26 through 29. So if you'd like to write it in your Bible, you can put those other two, uh, other two texts beside the, your, in your margin there, beside Mark chapter 5, all right? But again, this is a very famous miracle, and many would be familiar with it. And no doubt, this miracle never left the minds of, these, uh, of the disciples, uh, as they give a lot of detail about, especially Mark. He gives the most detail about this event, about this miracle, followed by Luke himself. And, of course, Matthew gives a little bit of detail about it as well. And there's an extra detail, we'll look at it uh, quickly, that Matthew gives that the others two do not, all right? But the miracle we'll look at this evening is in this man of the maniac of Gadara, all right? The maniac of Gadara. And remember, keep in mind, the main purpose behind the miracles of Christ is there to prove and to show that Jesus Christ is God. And it, this miracle is going to prove it again and again, all right? And it's amazing to see. It's a very exciting miracle that Jesus performed. Very exciting event, no doubt. One that had been terrifying, by the way. Absolutely terrifying. If you or I was with him at this miracle, we'd be scared to death. Uh, knowing we're going to go see the maniac of Gadara, a very famous man, infamous man, but, uh, but no doubt a very exciting miracle still, all right? But let's look at it, Mark chapter number 5, and look at verse number 1, and the Bible says, And it came over unto the other side of the sea, into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains." Because that he had, he had been often, often been bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him. And cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. For he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is thy name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. He besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country. Now there was nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine feeding, and all the devils besought him, saying, Send us into the swine that we may enter into them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave. And the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine, the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. There were about 2,000 and were choked in the sea. And they that fed the swine fled and told it in the city and in the country. And they went out and to see what was, uh, that was done. And they came to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed in his right mind. And they were afraid. And they that saw it told them how it befell to him that was possessed with the devil, and also concerning the swine. And they began to pray him to depart out of their coasts. 
And when he was coming to the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with them. This is kind of interesting contrast there between 17 and 18. One set of folk praying that the Lord would leave, and one another man praying that he would go with them. It's very, very interesting. We'll highlight that in a moment. Look at verse number 19. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends. Tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee, and hath had compassion on thee. He departed and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him, and all men did marvel. The first thing I'd like for us to look at and consider this evening from this portion of Scripture, as we're considering the maniac of Gadara, is this. Consider the possessed man himself, all right? The possessed man himself. Now, as we read about this maniac, as he's as been, been come to call, uh, read about him. The Bible does give a lot of description, a lot of description about his life. It gives us some, some insight in how he lived. It uh, gives us some insight in his, uh, his thinking, his uh, physical ability, his mental ability, and even what's going on spiritually with this man. It's very interesting to look at some of the words that describe, describe him. Some of it is very disturbing. And it's hard to adequately paint the picture unless we were there. We're going to try, all right? But it can be absolutely disturbing and, as I look at it too, very sad and heartbreaking. So take, take note of this possessed man and a few descriptive words the Bible gives and uses about this individual. The first thing the Bible says uh, over in Matthew chapter 8, verse 28, it says this about, about this individual. It says he was exceeding fierce, all right? Exceeding fierce. Now the word exceeding gives the idea of beyond measure. It gives the idea of not being able to put a measurement upon it, an overabundance, meaning it's running over. It'd be like pouring, uh, taking a cup of water and it's an eight-ounce cup, but you're trying to pour over, well over a gallon into it, just always overflowing. It's exceeding, all right? You can't put a, put a number on it. You can't, put a, you can't put a limit on it. It's just overseeding. It's exceeding, but it's exceeding this, fierce, all right? What does that mean? Fierce means this, hard to approach. It means it's hard to be around, meaning dangerous to be around. It's very perilous to be around this individual. Why? Because he was a savage. That's why. He was exceedingly fierce. He was extremely hard to be around. He would have been the most dangerous person in all of the area. The threat level of this fella would have been high alert, all right? It may not have been DEFCON 1, but it would be getting close, okay? It would have been high alert as far as the threat level with this guy. And you would not want to be around him at any time. Even the Bible says this in Matthew chapter 8. As it talks about him being exceeding fierce. The Bible says in Acts uh, chapter, or I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 8 and verse 28. He's exceeding fierce so that no man might pass by that way. Nobody came by. They knew this man lived. They knew his behavior. They knew his dangerous uh, threat level. And they ain't going to be around him. You don't go over there, all right? There may be some certain places that you know that might be a little dangerous, and you avoid them, right? This would have been that area. You would have avoided this guy at all costs. So picture in your mind, the most dangerous person you think of, you avoid him at all costs. All right. So he's exceeding fierce. Also, the Bible says this about him in Luke chapter 8, verse 27. It says he wear no clothes. That's pretty self-explanatory he was 
naked. All right. When you see a dangerous naked man, you're going to avoid him too. All right. He wore no clothes. And then the Bible says again in Luke chapter number 8, verse 27, he abode not in any house but in tombs. So this tells me he was homeless. So not only was he not camping out in the woods, rather he was camping out in the graveyards, all right? And then in Mark chapter 5, here in our text where we've landed, verse 3 through 4, the Bible says this about him. He had his dwelling among the tombs. No man could bind him. No, not with chains. Because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. So no man could bind him. Neither can any man tame him, meaning no one could tie him up. The police officers around that area, nobody could come and handcuff him. Even the cops didn't want nothing to do with him, all right? So they couldn't put chains on him. The chains would have been basically handcuffs or shackles for the hands, and fetters would have been the shackles for the feet. Every time somebody might have, might have dogpiled on him and maybe got some handcuffs or chains or fetters around him, he would bend over and pluck asunder, the Bible says, uh, those chains and fetters, meaning he pulled them apart with his own bare hands. Okay. Uh, Brother Tweet, you... You, you were in law enforcement for some time, correct? Retired from as a detective. If you put handcuffs on somebody and they reach over and pull them apart with their own bare hands, what's the next? Call for backup. Call for backup and probably deploy a taser or 10. And, you know, so, so if you see somebody like that, you're like, oh, man, this is, uh, this is unusual. He has an unusual strength about him. And uh, just absolutely crazy is what it would have been like. But he was, here, here's a man who... Wear no clothes, all right? Has no home. He is exceedingly fierce. He has some kind of strength about him that's supernatural. This is one bad dude. You ain't going to mess with Jim, all right? You know what I'm saying? We'll call him Jim, okay. But you don't mess with him. You don't mess with him. So that's kind of the physical things about him, okay? But take note of some of the mental things about him as well, all right? Here's what the Bible says. Look at verse number 5, Matthew chapter 5. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains, in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. Here we get a little bit of a glimpse of what's going on in his mind. Here the Bible says crying. Now this is not necessarily crying as in weeping tears, all right? Not, not, not being sad and crying that way. Rather, this man is crying out. This, would, this denotes the, uh, a yelling out or a screaming out. What I try to picture here in my mind is a screeching type of scream that would put shivers down your spine. All right? Uh, anybody ever heard that kind of scream before? I mean, just your, the hair on the back of your neck stands up. And you're like, what in the world is that kind of scream? I heard something like that before. And come to find out it was a panther. Freaked me out, all right? I thought it was a woman being assaulted. That's what I thought it was. It was that kind of scream. So this has been that kind of screeching scream, crying out that this man would do. And listen, look what the Bible says, how he did it, how often he did it. Verse number five, and always. This man's always crying out, always screaming out, always yelling out. I don't know what exactly he's yelling. Maybe it's obscenities. We don't know. Maybe he's crying out, what's going on with me? I can't, I can't understand all of this. He's crying out, though, screaming all the time, always doing this. What else is he doing? And then, the Bible says in verse 5, Always night and day, in the mountains, in the tombs, crying and 
cutting himself with stones. So he's cutting himself. The cutting here is to cut up, to gash, to mangle. He would cut himself, and the blood, no doubt, would begin to rush and gush out of his body. And he would watch himself bleed. He would cut himself. And I don't know if you're aware or not, but people still do this today. It's called cutting. It still happens today. And as I read this portion of Scripture, I had to stop and pray for the ones that I know of that actually have done and do this. People still do this today. Now, many of us, when we think of that, we don't quite understand that, but it still happens. You see, uh, there's one, according to Cornell University, uh, says this, self-harm can be a way for a person to feel something when they're experiencing numbness or to distract themselves from the anxiety or even depression that they're going through. Some people cut to create a wound that may symbolize their emotional pain, while others use cutting as a way to avoid telling loved ones about their true feelings. And many times there can be a link between the self-harm and even a childhood trauma like physical abuse, sexual abuse, or, and or neglect. Uh, one, search, one such study said 15% of teenagers have participated in cutting. Another one said up to, they said between 17% and 35%, which is a pretty large gap, but up to 35% of college-age people have experienced cutting. What do they cut themselves with? Well, knives, razor blades, anything, scissors. They cut themselves. They cut themselves. And we have people in our church in the medical profession, they've seen this time and time again. I've dealt with individuals about this. You see the scars on their body, on their arms, on their legs. I don't understand it either. But it happens because something inside their minds is, is not putting everything together, trying to release that emotion, but doing it wrongly. All right? Some can be. According to this fellow, yes, absolutely. I don't think it's all that, but some it could be absolutely. But even in this text, no doubt this is why. And that brings me to the next point about this fellow, possessed man. We see some of the physical things he's going on, the mental things that's going on. But this too, here's one of the main reasons, the main reason he's doing all these things is because of spiritual condition as well. All right? And it is this. Look at it with me again in verse number, verse number, oh, I forgot my place. Number nine. Nope. Do number seven. Number seven. Verse number seven. And cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. For he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is thy name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. So, what was making this man do the things he was doing? living amongst the tombs, crying out, cutting himself, breaking, breaking these chains, breaking these handcuffs, these shackles, if you will, what was causing him to do all this and to really just act out of his mind? Well, it's because this demon possession, absolutely. He was possessed of, of devils. Now, when Jesus asked the man his name, here in our text, he replied with this name, Legion, because he said, for we are many. Now, what is or what was a legion? At this time, during the Roman 
uh, era, the, the word legion was used as a reference to the Roman military unit. Now, this would have been the mainstay of a Roman army through the years of the Roman Empire, but the legion unit was made up of a group of soldiers numbering as much as, as much as 6,000. So, it could be that this man had as many as 6,000 devils inside of him taking residence in his body. Can you even begin to try to imagine this? This is what's going on in this man's life, full of darkness, full of sin. And as you look what he's doing, cutting himself full of pain, full of destruction. It's just full even of, of death. Why? Because he's full of the devil. That's, that's why. Simple answer, why? So as we can see this possessed man, it's really a frightening sight. It is, it is. Think about it. It's a frightening sight, but... But it's also a sad one. I told you at the very beginning. It's a sad one. Here's why it's a sad one, all right? Because as you look at this man, he was still a man. He had, at one point, mom and daddy, this is somebody's son. Maybe he had a brother, sister, siblings, we don't know. Maybe he had some family back home at one time when he was, quote, unquote, normal. Whatever that is anymore, right? But maybe it was normal. But we do know this. He at least had some friends. Because here's what Jesus said. Look at verse number 19 of Mark chapter 5. Verse number 19. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, meaning didn't allow him, allowed him not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends, and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee, and hath had compassion on thee. Understand, this is a sad thing here, because this is a man who at one time had family and friends, but this man is out of his mind. Why? Because he was possessed of many devils. So you see this possessed man, it's frightening and it's sad. But really, you know, he also represents, as you see the picture of even our society today, violent, unclean, unbridled, unrestrained lusts, complete lawlessness in many, many areas of life. It's awful. It's awful. It's awful. But what's the answer to all of that? What's the answer to a crazy society that seems out of their mind <laughs> that would stand up here just one town down that way and fight for their right to be able to kill babies. Who literally play songs, listen, they play a song there that says kill that fetus. I'm serious, that's what they play. It's a song that they play. And they have young people in their teens working there as far as like poll worker kind of thing, right? What's the answer to that? What's the answer? Well, the answer is this, number two, a powerful Christ. So understand, at this moment, this is exactly what this man needed. Maybe at one time, this town tried to help him. Maybe at one time, this city, this, this place of the Gadarenes, maybe they tried to help this fellow because the Bible says that, he, uh, that he, they couldn't be bound, meaning they tried. They could put chains on him, meaning they tried. They tried to put fetters on him, they tried, but he plucked, he, he plucked all that asunder. They tried, right? Maybe this town tried at one time to, to help him, but it seemed there's nothing could help this fella. Nobody could tame him. Nobody could help him. Nobody could arrest him. He was a terror of the town. Everybody avoided him like the plague. It would seem 
This town tried to help them, but they could not. It seemed hopeless. And he seemed helpless. Let me ask you, do you know someone like that? Maybe you're thinking of someone, even this, in this evening, you're thinking of someone that, man, they're too far gone. There's no help for them. There ain't no way. I don't know what to do. It's out of my hands. Well, it's never been in your hands to begin with. But when it's out of your hands, that means it's in God's hands, and that's the perfect hands to be in. Again, God works in the impossible. Remember, that's what all these miracles are about, the impossible. But can you think of someone like that? I can. It just seems impossible, or I don't know what to do. Please, intervene in a big, huge way. Please, do great and mighty things. What great things God had done. You can do it, Lord, please. Can you think of someone like that? You see, it would seem that's how this fellow was. There is no hope for Big Bad Jim out there in the graveyard. That boy's gone. He's gone. Teal. The Bible says this. Verse number 6. But when he saw Jesus, when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him. And cried aloud a voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. For he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is thy name? And he answered and saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he besought him much that they would not send them away out of the country. And of course he goes on to talk how he cast them into the, into the swine and then the pigs fly off of a cliff, basically. All right, That's the first time pigs flew, just so y'all knew that. But then it says this, verse number 18. And when he was come to the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. He had been, but no longer was. Why? Because the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, until God got a hold of him, until God, the power of Christ, got a hold of him. It's absolutely amazing. Just one touch, just one word, just one visit from the Lord Himself changed everything for this man. No one is beyond help. No one is beyond the power of God. Nobody is. It may seem helpless, it may seem hopeless, but it's not without hope. As long as they're breathing, there's always hope. Why? Because God's still in control. He has not surrendered His power or authority. He still has power enough to save and to help. God changed everything here. It would seem these 6,000 demons were very powerful, and no doubt they were. They gave this man some kind of strength beyond human comprehension. They were powerful, but not more powerful than Jesus himself. We know this. But sometimes they'd be reminded from time to time. The Bible says in Matthew 28, 18, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. It's pretty amazing. That, uh, that very verse right there, when Jesus said, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth, you have seen that the past two miracles we have studied, you've seen that very thing come to pass. He has all power in earth over everything, the earthly realm. We saw that in the last miracle as he calmed the storm, remember? And now we see he has all power in heaven, all power over any spiritual realm. You see it here. 
He is all powerful. That's why the Bible says in Revelation 1, 8, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is, which was, which is to come, the Almighty, the all-powerful one. Titus 2, 13, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Listen, there is no one too far gone that the power of God cannot reach. Amen. Thank God for that. All right. So look at this possessed man. This dude has been scary and sad. But look at the power of God. The power of God in this miracle. The power of Christ in this miracle. The compassion that he had. Even Jesus said, go tell the people how much compassion I've had on you. Look at his compassion and his power. Look at it. It's amazing. Then I want to see this last. I want to see the people. The people of the town. Look at verse number 16. And they that saw it told, told them how it befell to him that was possessed with the devil, and also concerning the swine. And they began to pray him to depart out of their coasts. And when he was coming to the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends, tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee, and hath had compassion on thee. And he departed and began to publish in the capitalists how great things Jesus had done for him. And all men did marvel. You know, it's very interesting to me, the people of the town here. you got two kind of, two sets, really. First set of people, they were, they were scared of Jesus now. Where at one time, they were terrified of the demon-possessed man. Now they've kind of switched, and they're terrified of Jesus, and they want Jesus to leave. It's kind of, kind of interesting to me. They're terrified of Jesus. They're terrified of the light they've now seen, really. And even people today are terrified of that. People are more scared of truth today than they are of the devil's lies, Hope you realize that, know that. They're scared of light, scared of truth, but listen, never be scared of truth. But here we see people in this town afraid of Jesus, praying and begging, begging, praying, begging Jesus to depart. Because they don't want nothing to do with him. Want nothing to do with Christ. Some of these people in this town are that way. Listen, there's people like that today. They want nothing to do with Jesus. They don't want Christ. But listen, don't let that discourage you. Because there are people that still do. And they're still searching. They're looking for light. They're looking for help. Looking for hope. Because as this man went back to town, back into the city, all men, the Bible says, did marvel. There were people... They were still interested in what Jesus was doing, what Jesus could do, and still interested in truth, interested in light, and wanted to know more about him. And the same is true today. Are there people that don't want him? Oh, yeah, absolutely. But are there people that do? Yes. And there's people still searching, still searching today, still waiting today to hear of Christ, to hear of the gospel, to hear how great things God's done in your life. You need to hear it from you. Then you hear it from you. So these people, yeah, they were asking for him to leave, but there were some, there were some that wanted him to stay, mainly this maniac man whose life has been changed forever. Changed forever. And this maniac man will go back into Decapolis and there give his testimony, tell what that great things Jesus had done. And it would whet the appetite of the people in the town. Because when Jesus would come back to Decapolis, he would be flooded, flooded with, with people to hear more, to see more, to but touch him. Why? 
because of this man's testimony. You know what's interesting to me? Is as Jesus, the previous miracle, the storm, he told, he told the guys, he said, get in the boat, we're going to the other side. They didn't really know why. But the best we can tell, the only reason that Jesus went across the shore, or the sea, sorry, the sea from the previous miracle is just to meet this guy. Because as you read on in the Bible, in Mark chapter 5, verse 21, and when Jesus was passed over again by ship unto the other side. <laughs> so he, they got into the boat, went over to see this maniac, and then after that's done and settled, gets back in the boat and goes back to the other side. That's encouraging to me. I don't know about you. Because Jesus goes after the ones that seem just absolutely helpless and hopeless. He will come to you. He will. If you're the only one, he would have came. So this man then takes the message of Jesus Christ to the rest of the people there in Decapolis. And when Jesus would come back to that town, he would just be flocked with people and amazing things would happen. This miracle really for me is exciting. Man, it's scary. Oh yeah, if we could, if we could absolutely, uh, truly get a, a picture of, of this fella in the very beginning, it would freak all of us out. Hollywood will not do a good job of painting a picture on a movie or on TV about this fellow. Right? They could try, but they still fall short. This guy was messed up. But the very end of it, clothes sitting in his right mind and serving the Lord. It's amazing to see the power of a Lord in someone's life. And by the way, it still happens today. And for that, I thank God. But people need to hear about His power. They need to hear about the, the power of God, which is the gospel. They need to hear that. They need to hear it. They need to hear it 